A salute to the original 007, People Magazine's sexiest man of the century, and the one-time father of Harrison Ford. Today, we look back at three feature films of the one and only Sean Connery, along with Crawford, Monty Crawford. I am Hurt, Rod Hurt. We are reviewers, two real reviewers. <laughs> I can't really do that song very well, but I, it's been in my head all day because <laughs> I downloaded it. That's our opening song. Was that the Benny Hill theme? No, it wasn't Benny Hill. It was, it was James Bond. I will oh. say this. Our, our real fans, before we get into our reviews, our real fans decided uh, to pick um, Goldfinger, which... I thought you were going to start singing that one. No, that's the thing. That song was so bad. That was so bad. Um, I couldn't, it was so bad. I couldn't use it in any of our audios this year or this, excuse me, this, uh, um, podcast. Um, so I, I had to use some other stuff, but it, I kept thinking too, every time I was watching this and I would see Goldfinger come out, I started thinking of Austin Powers is gold member. <laughs> I, just, I did, just found like, myself doing the same thing. I was like, and and then, you know, I kept thinking we can't podcast this, and because we're not allowed to say explicit words on our podcast with our relationship with Game ET Radio, um, and one of the main characters is Pussy Glover. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> I know that's a title. Thank goodness. I know, I know, and it is. It's a title, but I'm just like. Every time she said her name, I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, who wrote this? <laughs> couldn't, you couldn't have come up with a different name, but, you know, you got to go back to his other one, Octopussy. I mean, he, he, whoever is writing all of these Jane Bond films uh, is loving to use that word in their title names here. So a uh, little shocked on that. But uh, And I had a hard time, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, is, is it was in 1964. So the special effects parts we'll, we'll get into that it's kind of fun it's fun to get back and forth with it but it is a sad thing to lose sean connery but in picking his movies and going through that it, it made me realize how wonderful an actor he was and diverse oh very much it, he 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 gets he gets put in that that typecast as being bond and i think the other notable for me at least was a uh, hunt for red october mm -hmm. right the Russian guy with the Scottish accent. If you yeah, remember that's that, it. right? Okay. There I was is just going to ask you. There, there was that. Do you ever think that maybe sometimes he uh, um, pushed up that accent a little bit in some of the movies that he did? I think so. Yeah. I think so. But it was, it was very refreshing to look at something relatively new. Mm hmm and something from really when he got his start. And, and even though, you know, Goldfinger wasn't the very first Bond movie that he made, mm. I think it was number three. I think it was the third, in, the third installment. Okay. Um, it, 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 he's, I mean, that you said it, 1964. And I'm not sure when your movie selection was made, but the one that I watched was made in 2000. Yeah, mine, mine actually was, and I can tell you that to give you the exact, um, mine was 2003. Okay. So, so yeah, he, later part of his career, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see his range. You know, the, the movie that I saw, it could have been similar to a 
a version of the Avengers. Um, and the movie you saw was a more dramatic film um, in regards to, you know, drama and, and personal type stuff. And then Goldfingers is obviously, you know, James Bond and it's, it's, it's thriller um, action adventure type film as well. So he shows you the, the, the range he had just alone in those three movies. And doesn't he look so completely different? Well, and we'll talk more about his look in Goldfinger because we have a Walker Bueller sighting. <laughs> so we'll talk more about that when we get into it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reviewing these three films in, in, in remembrance of uh, Sir Sean Connery. Um, and uh, it looks like we're going to lead off with, uh, with your movie this week. And you picked Finding Forrester. My name is William Forrester. Excuse me. I'm that one. <clears throat> Losing family. Losing family obliges us to find our family. Not always the family that is our blood, but the family that can become our blood. And should we have the wisdom to open our door to this new family, we will find that the wishes we once had for the father who once guided us, or the brother who once inspired us, those wishes. Tell us a little bit about that one. This was a 2000 movie. So it's 20 years old now at this point, right? Wow. It's 20 years old. And the movie was directed by Gus Van Zandt. Name sound familiar? Absolutely. We've done a few of his movies, haven't we? Uh, we have, actually. Um, Goodwill Hunting is the one that kind of comes mm -hmm. to mind uh, right out of the gate. Um, but he also did Drugstore Cowboy, which I am very fond of, mm -hmm. uh, and the movie Milk. Yes. Yep. No. And that was one of our uh, podcast uh, poll ones that didn't get picked before. And I was, was looking forward to that, actually. So yep. he's a hell of an actor. I mean, a director, excuse me. He absolutely is. Uh, and he put together a, a, a pretty, pretty great cast uh, for this movie, including Rob Brown, who plays uh, the young Jamal Wallace. Uh, Busta Rhymes is in this is in this movie. I guess this is about the time that uh, Ice-T was uh, getting into Special Victims Unit on NBC. Uh, Anna Paquin, who we all remember from The Piano. In True Blood. Um, F. Murray Abraham, whose, whose character in this movie I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Sir Sean Connery. Um, Connery was also a producer on this movie, and Mike Rich was credited with uh, writing the script. The story revolves around 16-year-old uh, Jamal Wallace, played, as I said, by Rob Brown. He's a basketball-loving student who lives in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. He's a gifted scholar, but he's, he's pretty introverted and doesn't really let everyone know that he's a pretty bright kid. He, he overachieves in school, uh, but like a lot of teenagers, he'd rather play ball. He was more interested in playing basketball uh, with his friends um, than hitting the books. But after a, a series of, of tests in school reveals 
what sort of potential he has, uh, Jamal is offered a scholarship to the prestigious private school named Mailer, which is in Manhattan of all places. And it's also, the scholarship's also going to allow him to pursue his love of basketball. In his neighborhood in the Bronx, Jamal and his buddies, while playing ball, notice someone peering at them uh, through the top floor window of, of uh, an apartment building who ends up being William Forrester, the character portrayed by Sir Sean Connery. On a dare, Jamal sneaks into Forrester's apartment to steal something, but is startled by Forrester, and Jamal ends up leaving his backpack, which he was going to put the stolen item in, mm. behind as he flees the apartment. So Forrester ends up dropping Jamal's backpack on the sidewalk after rifling through it. He finds some of Jamal's writings, and it appears that writing is one of Jamal's strong suits. Forrester is a true recluse. So you have Sean Connery playing this, this, this reclusive gentleman who lives alone, seems very out of place in this neighborhood in the Bronx. And even though he gives off the perception of being that proverbial grumpy old man, mm. he ultimately invites Jamal in and takes an interest in his writing. Why? Because Forrester was a one-time author, and we eventually learn that Forrester also went to Mailer, the same school that Jamal gets the scholarship from. A bit rebellious, Jamal locks horns with Professor Robert Crawford, uh, no relation to Delmont, who is played by F. Murray Abraham. Mm -hmm. Now, Professor Crawford doesn't believe that Jamal belongs at Mailer. He kind of has it out for him. Crawford challenges him, accuses him of plagiarism, attempts to get him expelled. And at the same time, Jamal strikes up a friendship with Claire, who is played up by a now teenage Anna Paquin. Also at stake is Jamal's basketball career, but he is allowed to participate in the state championship. And if Mailer wins, the administration will overlook the attempt to expel him and basically knock Professor Crawford back in place. They lose the state championship, and there's a question as to whether or not Jamal threw the game so he could actually face his accusers, namely Professor Crawford. But during the conference and the hearing as to whether or not to expel Jamal, here comes Forrester. He comes to the rescue of Jamal, defends him in front of the students and the faculty, Jamal realizes that he truly has made a friend in Forrester. Forrester also admits that his life was enriched by meeting Jamal and announces plans to return to Scotland to live out some of the dreams that he believed had long passed him by. Okay. Away in Scotland, spoiler alert here, spoiler alert. Bing, 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 bing. Forrester passes away, having been diagnosed with cancer before he even met Jamal, leaves his apartment and other personal belongings to Jamal, and a personal handwritten note thanking Jamal for the positive impact he had on Forrester's life. So when you think Sean Connery, mm. you think rough, gruff, right. thrilling, action-seeking, this is an individual that he plays that has a heart, that has 
a deep-seated past that is creative in nature. And he's kind of an artsy-fartsy guy. You wouldn't think Sean Connery's an artsy-fartsy guy. He's a martini guy. But he plays the role of Forrester so caring. And you see this friendship develop between the two that is very genuine and comes across very, very well. There's, here's, here's the but mm-hmm. in, in this movie. This movie was on the heels of Goodwill Hunting, which is also a story about a student developing a connection with an older gentleman. Almost, te- that, almost a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Forget the fact that both movies were done by the same guy mm-hmm. in, in Gus Van Zandt. It's very, there, there's so many similarities here. It's hard to describe, but, but those movies were so close together and had so many similarities. I'm not sure if this one got diminished to the superior movie that was Goodwill Hunting. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is, this is an enjoyable movie, and I really can't thank you enough, Bonnie, for recommending it and thinking that I should watch it. It's just that it doesn't get the sort of notoriety that Goodwill Hunting did. Yeah, I, and and going back, I was looking at some of that. It, it didn't get a lot of the the praise that the Goodwill Hunting did. Um, it didn't even get acknowledged by the bigger awards. Um, you know, the the Globes, the Oscars, the Academy. Excuse me. Um, none of the film festivals touched it. it it's unfortunate. Um, there are some awards that it, it did receive, um, but they were of the lower, you know, reward groups. A lot of the individual independent type things. And that's, and that's unfortunate because I have seen this movie before. Um, and one of the things that you need to know, like Rob Brown, um, who played Jamal, he, he came into this movie basically trying to get a job and find a way as maybe an extra or something of that sort. Uh, to pay some bills he had, mainly his $300 cell phone bill at the time. And he lands this role. Um, And he did a great job in this film. And then he went on to obviously do other things, Coach Carter, Dark Knight. Uh, You can go down the list with him. Uh, He's still acting to this day um, in mostly TV series like Blind Spot and uh, um, Shooter and so on and so forth. So this movie really did launch that young actor. And it was, you know, a great role by Sean Connery as well. Well, I wish I had seen this movie years ago when it came out, when everybody was raving, myself included, mm-hmm. during with Goodwill Hunting, right? Because we and we've done Goodwill Hunting. We all know how you feel about that movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it that's a better movie, but this ain't this one ain't too far behind it. And if if I know that there will never be another Sean Connery film that's going to be made because of his passing i'm i'm pretty grateful that this is this is the last one of the ones i have not seen that i got to watch and i i'll be able to remember him by this one a little bit differently than had i not seen it and this movie ultimately got three and a half red vines for me well that's uh, that's awesome um and you know what i like to do what do i like to do i like to play what connect the dots you keep bringing up what movie Goodwill Hunting. Okay, good. Um, the connect the dots there is Matt Damon actually had a cameo in this film. 
I neglect, I neglected to, <laughs> I have it here in my notes. I should share screen on our Zoom call here. And yes, I was, I, and that was the whole, and that was the other thing. And that's what got me thinking really about the Goodwill right. Hunting thing is I'm going, well, wait a minute. Now Matt Damon's in this movie too? Right, he was right. in Goodwill Hunting. Stay away, stay away. <laughs> um, along with that, uh, there was another movie that I had recommended that you watch because I had already picked uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, was The Rock with uh, our, our best Nick friend, Nick, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. <laughs> um, who, for whatever reason, just has the, the death grip on every movie he's ever done, for the most part. Um, oh. But did you notice that the basketball Jamal holds throughout the movie, what's written on it? No, I didn't notice that. The Rock. Oh, really? Yes. Very yes. interesting. So ooh, that's and, a good. And, ooh, that's a good factoid right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like and so that. a couple little fun tidbits in there. And I know that we'll talk a little bit about Bill Murray a little bit later on. Um, but he was actually up for the role of William Forster to give you a little tie in there as well. That's my segue. Oh, sorry. Okay. Now, well, you didn't have you, to say it. You, you, you adhere to our rule about no spoilers. <laughs> You just, you just, you spoiled my, you spoiled my segue. You've never told me about your segue. I didn't know my, my, my fans, real fans. This is the first time you're going to hear this, Rod. I apologize for stepping on your toes today. There's a segue involving Bill Murray a little bit further in the show. All right. But thank you for, for this. I mean, this was really a gift. Yeah, it's a great It, it movie. really was a gift. I really enjoyed it. I'm so sorry he's gone, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, 90's a pretty decent run, Um, and he's got just a great body of work, including this movie, including this movie, Uh, and I wonder about how successful, or maybe not so much, your selection was, so maybe you'll tell us the movie that you selected and what your thoughts were about it. Well, I picked... Uh, a wonderful film uh, that's very unrecognized and uh, nowadays, um, and that is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Stay back if you value your life. Ow! He scratched me. Better me than him. Well, this is nice. Mr. Hyde, you've done terrible things in England. So terrible that you fled the country. And I'm ashamed to say that Her Majesty's government is willing to offer you amnesty in return for your services. You want to go home. Home. Homes where the heart is, that's what they say. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, also promoted as LXG, is a 2003 diesel punk superhero film, and it's loosely based um, on the first volume of the comic book series of the same name by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. It was released in July of 2003 in the United States and was uh, distributed by the wonderful company of 20th Century Fox. It was directed by Stephen Norrington, and it starred our our man, Sir Sean Connery, uh, Nessa, Ness, now you know how I am with names, Nessarine Ruda Shaw, P. 
Lapita Wilson, Tony Curran, Stuart Townsend, Shane West, not Kanye West, Shane West, Jason Fleming, and Richard Ross. presidential candidate Kanye West. <laughs> Mr. 60,000 votes. Don't get me going. All right. It was the final live action uh, acting role for Connor before his retirement in 2006 and obviously his death this year. Um, as the comic book source material, the film premieres um, a lot of crossover themes. It's set in the 19th century. And here's the great thing about this book. Um, it is, these characters are all appropriately from the period of Victorian era superheroes. It draws on the works of Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, Bram Stoker, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, H. Ryder Haggard, Ian Fleming, Herman Melview, Oscar Wilde, Robert Louis Stevenson, Edgar Allan Poe, Gaston Leroux, and Mark Twain. So this movie has taken characters and parts of their work from all of those writers, which is, to me, absolutely amazing. Because there's an Invisible Man in this one, right? Correct. And we know how I feel about Invisible Men. Yeah. Have you seen or, this movie? Or women. Have you, have you seen it, actually? No, I have not. I, I recommend that you do. If you like sci-fi stuff I, I will say there are there's a one guy in there i'm just not a big fan of and i'll get into that um but for the most part I, if you focus on the whole part where they're fighting the good guys and the bad guys it's, it's really unique so let me let me give you a quick thing about the plot it's a terrorist it's 1899 it's a terrorist group by led by phantom uh, he breaks into the bank of Milan, steals the um, leonardo da vinci's blueprints for venice foundations and kidnaps several german scientists the british empire sends sanderson reed uh to kenyan colony to recruit adventure and hunter alan quartermain which is played by sean connery alan had, quartermain you like that name I i'm like sorry that. to well let me tell you who alan <laughs> quartermain is in the 20th century okay alan quartermain was uh, one of the patriarchs in the television soap opera general hospital <laughs> maybe they use that maybe now, they saw this movie and said hey you, we're gonna hear you're, you're probably wondering uh how, how did you know that? how does rod know this <laughs> I, I don't know if i want to wonder on that one mister you might not want to <laughs> um uh he is a re he retired following the death of his son quarterman at first refuses until a group of assassins is sent to kill him um he then goes out and is in you know, they try to kill him. It results in the death of his longtime friend, Nigel. And London Quartermain meets M, who explains that Phantom plans to start a world war by bombing a secret meeting of world leaders in Venice. Um, you guys know I normally don't tell the plot, but I know a lot of people didn't really see this film, so I want to present it to you. Um, this prevents M is, is forming this generation of, of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, consisting of Quartermain, Captain Nemo, a vampire chemist, Mina Harker, and a visible thief, Rodney Skinner. The League travels to London Docklands to recruit Dorian Gray, uh, Mina's former lover, who is an immortal due to a mist-cursed portrait. The Phantom's Assassins is attacked by the League, aided by U.S. Secret Service agent Tom Sawyer, who fends them off. Gary and Sawyer join the League, then they capture, and I love this guy in this movie, Edward Hyde in Paris. We all know who Dr. Hyde is, right? 
Edward. That's Hyde. right. All right. Yes. He transforms back into his alter ego, Dr. Jekyll, and joins the League after being offered amnesty. Uh, the League travels to Venice in Nemo's submarine, the Nautilus, uh, but they soon deduce that they may have a mole on board uh, when a camera flashes powder residue is found on the wheelhouse of one of Jekyll's transformation formulas. Disappears. Suspicion falls on the missing Skinner. The Nautilus arrives in Venice just as bombs detonate, causing it to start to collapse. Sawyer uses Nemo's automobile to stop the destruction while Quarterman confronts the Phantom, who was unmasked by as M. Dorian. So their mole was uh, Mr. Dorian. Uh, the traitor and murders Nemo's first mate Ishmael and steals the Nautilus exploration pod M. Uh, Dorian leaves a phonograph recording for the League declaring that their true goal is to ignite a world war and that Dorian has been collecting physical elements of the League to create a heavily armed version of the Nautilus. Invisible spies, vampire assassins, and hide-like soldiers to sell the superhuman formulas to the highest bidder. So that gives you a quick synopsis and I won't tell you the rest because the rest is more of spoilers but I definitely think that this movie was overlooked don't get me wrong okay a league of extraordinary gentlemen made some money it's not it was budgeted at the time for in 2003 uh to at 78 million dollars and it brought in well over 100 million of that so well over like 178 or 79 million so it did quite well financially in the terms of what we mean in 2003. Nowadays, you have to get like 200 million to be successful. So, um, what I liked about this movie was what I said when I talked about all of the books and authors that they took from um, The Vampire, The, the Invisible Man, um, The Immortals, uh, Dr. Heckle, Mr. John Hyde, excuse me. Um, I almost said Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. Do you remember that song? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but this was such an amazing film to watch. Now, the only one I'm going to go back is we know that he, uh, in this movie, and uh, as I had stated, um, Alan Quartermain lost his son. And so his uh, Tom Sawyer, uh, played by Shane West, um, became sort of like his son at the end. They were both excellent marksmen and he was teaching him and stuff. I just wasn't a big fan of Shane West's character. I felt that they needed somebody a little bit more. Um, it may, they tried to make him all American, all wholesome. And, and this movie wasn't about that. It needed to be something different. He was the one representing us from the CIA or FBI or whatever special services from the U.S. Uh, as this movie is based in England. Um, however, it, he was, it was too, he's a blonde hair, you know, uh, all American boy. And I just I mean, didn't, is it, I, I is didn't it, like that character. Is it that Tom Sawyer? It's not that I, it did. No. I mean, no. is it a hillbilly? No, <laughs> he just, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He kind of dresses like him. He's got the black vest with a white shirt and a rifle. Um, but it wasn't Tom Sawyer. Not, not, and not okay. that I'm aware right. of it. Didn't unless I missed something in a reference on that. It's not. Well, I yeah. I mean, if you're, if, if they if they used characters from Mark Twain, then technically That's it is that, your, it is that Tom Sawyer. But if you read the book, Tom Sawyer, you have an image of what Tom Sawyer looks like. Correct. And I'm going, how in the world could you, you know, put a, a, a late 1800s uh, ensemble together uh, with that sort of lineup and some hillbilly wearing coveralls? 
And, and, and that's where, I mean, they probably did reference Tom Sawyer's Mark Twain with Mark Twain when they referenced the novel, but his character in my mind was never really that. Okay. Um, so they modified you know, it for the benefit of this particular. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe made him more of, league. you know, and I love, there is one scene in there. It's, it's, they're teach, teaching him how to shoot. They're on the bridge of the submarine Nautilus and they got these things floating out in the water and he's supposed to shoot them or whatever. And, um, he says, you know, Alan Quartermain, Sean Connery goes, now, would you like to learn to shoot? And Tom Sawyer replies, I can already. And Alan Quartermain, because he had just watched him, had to watch him shooting. And he goes, oh, I saw very American, fire enough bullets, fire enough bullets and hope to hit the target. I just love that part. It's a quote. And I, I saw it again in uh, IMDb, but I love that scene because it was kind of funny. <laughs> we just keep shooting until we hit it. You know, we don't actually aim and get one shot. We shoot 50. <laughs> so um, it was kind of fun that, you know, there was a little bit of good back and forth between the two. I just wasn't big on the character overall in the movie. You know, um, I felt if we were going to send a representation uh, from the U.S., Tom Sawyer wasn't the character to do it. You know, so uh, that's my only downfall. The special effects in this for 2003 was actually very good for me. Um, the photographer, I mean, the cinematography was done very, very well. Uh the extraordinary um, costume designs for being a fact it's 1899 and we're trying to blend in this superhero style film um, had a lot for me. Uh, I thought the costume designs was quite well um, and did quite well. And, you know, the characters, all, I mean, Dr. Dr. Like I said, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was my favorite all in all um, character. What about the invisible man? He was Tell okay. me about the Invisible Man. You didn't see him. You didn't know he was. <laughs> uh, his 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 role was very transparent. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, uh, I will say this: Peter Wilson was in this as uh, Maya Hark Mina Hark Harkley, and she has played in the television show La Femme Lakita, and. She is, oh my God, she's absolutely gorgeous. She drew blonde, but in this movie, she has uh, dark hair. She's absolutely gorgeous in this movie. She plays the vampirist, and she is amazing in this film. And she can bite my neck any day, any damn day. <laughs> so I can become immortal with her. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. You know that, right? So, anywho, I, you know what? I think we lost a little bit of sound, Ron. I can see someone tiptoeing into your bedroom, uh, <laughs> invisible, and uh, putting her hands around your neck and squeezing. You know, when I lost your sound right there, I was thought you were trying to like wave at somebody behind me, like there she's coming. <laughs> I'm giving you, you a sign. I'm giving you a sign. I was like, oh shit, what's behind me? Did she? Is she here? Um, <laughs> well, I'm I'm very intrigued by this now. Because I definitely you, you got you know you got a you got quite a combo platter of character just the characters alone. I mean, this and, is like Island of the Misfit Toys type thing. Absolutely, Tom, and, and Tom was, Sawyer with uh, Doctor Jekyll and <laughs> Mister Hyde. I mean, that's an interesting that's an interesting pairing. You know, and and Stephen Norton uh, Stephen Norton Norrington who uh, directed this film um, has also you know. Is a, he's a big special effects and, and makeup type guy as well. So this was one of his first real uh, 
movies that he was directing and you can see that his special effects and his makeup and all that went very very well when it came to that um he only has four credits to his name blade is one of them death machine last minute and a league of extraordinary gentlemen everything else is really him doing um visual effects and the makeup department and special effects and that really played a lot into this movie so you're gonna see that in this that he takes pride in it um the only thing that I would say in this is that if, if I had to, it was an hour and 50 minutes. If I had to do anything, I probably could have took about 20 minutes off this film and maybe cut some of Tom Sawyer's role. Um, but the rest of it was, was really good. And, and every time I see it, like when I'm scrolling and it's the next thing up on Netflix or it's the next thing up on Hulu, I'll watch it. I really enjoy it. So with that being said, and I, I don't understand the re user reviews that are out there, um, both from, you know, uh, professionals such as yourself and I, Rod, and the individual, <laughs> <laughs> and the individual f people that are just out there. There's a lot of fives on this, five out of ten. So, um, there's, but, a one, there's a one out of four uh, by, from someone that I uh, respect a great deal as a movie reviewer, and that's Roger Ebert. Apparently, he gave it one out of four. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, on his, his review, he, he kind of gave it a little bit of like, a, you know, a little long, a little boring type thing. So, um, you know, for that being said, you know, I, I get it. I understand. But I'm into the different characters. I went into it with my eyes open. Um, and, and understanding that, okay, hey, this is going to be, um, this is going to be something that is about uh, uh, different people that I've enjoyed watching, vampires, yeah. invisible I, man. Like, Dr. like you said, you know, I'm very immortal. I mean, this is amazing stuff. I'm very intrigued at how they, they put these characters together. I definitely am going to check this one out for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if you don't like it, I apologize. But for me, I gave this three and a half stars. Um, and, stars. and I'm sorry, I, you know what? I said that because I was reading Roger Ebert's uh, review because I wanted to respond on it a little bit more. Hey, um, we can disagree with, with Chaz and Roger, Roger Ebert. Well, and and I, I will like what he wrote. It, it the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen assembles a splendid team of heroes to battle a, to battle a plan for world domination. A, you know, that right there is basically my feelings for this movie. Um, and, and he did, and, and what he gets in, and I think he says incomprehensible action, idiotic dialogue. So I would take a look at that in there. Like I said, look into Tom Sawyer's character when you're reading, watching this and think to yourself, that's where I thought it came from. I thought the rest of them played well. Um, and so to me, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's a really good thing. Um, he does have some good things to say about it, but he did hit it up pretty hard. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely disagreeing with it. It is again, for me, a different, this to me is the, the Victorian era adventures. That's, that's my theory on it. So I'm going to give it my three and a half, uh, popcorns. So we have two movies. Mm-hmm that are both in the three and a half characters or three and a half ratings, three and a half ratings. Now we'll number three from our two real fan pick of the week <laughs> be just as good. Let's share thoughts on gold finger. <laughs> I have to pause. <laughs> 
take a law. I must be dreaming. I thought I'd wake up dead. Tranquilize again. Knock out shot. See. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> Are you going to edit that out? No. <laughs> but I will say this, Rod. You sounded better than she did on the soundtrack. <laughs> Which I thought was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Why? Um, I, I was, I, I don't, I didn't, it was just so bad. You know, I was trying, like I said, I, you guys know we put the sound a soundtrack down on this podcast and I always do gold, you know, the themes and things like that. I couldn't use that. I just had to use the James Bond theme. I couldn't do Goldfinger. There was no way. Well, it was 1964, right? 1964, yes. So maybe that was trendy music back in the day. I think short pants were trendy back in that day too, weren't they? Well, if we're going to pass out ratings, we're going to have to rate Sean Carney and his... And, okay, the opening scene of, of Goldfinger is Goldfinger's playing cards and he's cheating and James Bond is down at the pool and he's got these blue type bikini man shorts on. I swear to God, they're the same shorts that girls wear nowadays when they wear those boy shorts. It's this. It is yep. tight. I can tell you he is circumcised. That's how tight they are. <laughs> there was no need for <laughs> there was no need for Sean Connery to have those tight things on. And the only thing I can think of, and you got it before I did on the text message, is dear God, this is the nineteen sixty three or sixty four version of of Walker Bueller and his Walker pants. Bueller. <laughs> and congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers for being world champions. All right, enough. Um, yeah, enough. What it, it we we do have to discuss. Um, people know Goldfinger. They all know. So I don't know if we should really get into the plot. We know that while investigating, you know, while James Bond's investigating a, a gold magnet smuggling, James Bond uncovers a plot to contaminate Fort Knox Gold Reserve and rise the price of his gold, uh, which he had, uh, which he is a big a big person in. That's why his name's Goldfinger. The character's name is actually Goldfinger. Um, <laughs> And it would raise his value tenfold to, if not higher. So that's your plot. That's your thing. And we go through all this stuff. How did this movie for you, Rod, shape up compared to some of the more recent James Bonds we've watched in the past? I, and as God is my witness, ladies and gentlemen, I was just getting ready to talk about that when Monty teed that up for me. Because I do actually have, you know, a, a, an opinion about, the James Bond franchise, right? Okay. In its in its entirety. And right. you and I are are we're children of the 70s for the most part. So we might have come to like in James Bond movies, not during the Sean Connery era, mm. right? He did seven of them. Um but the Roger Moore era. But what watching Goldfinger did for me, and this was the third uh, Bond movie that, that Sean Connery did, and it's widely regarded as being the best Bond movie ever. Goldfinger? Yes. Mo okay. Most 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 critics say that 
for the total body of work, right. this, this is the best one. It, it has led me to come to the conclusion that the last few bonds mm -hmm. and the plots and the way that the movies have, have, have turned out have just not been very good. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying that in a, in a very generalized fashion because I love Bond movies. And we, we've actually them. reviewed one recently. And I, I like Daniel Craig. I really do. But what, what it got me thinking about was I've always thought that Roger Moore was the better Bond. But he was the guy I grew up with. You didn't think Timothy Dalton was good? That's my point. That's my point. Well, and I like and, and I and I like yeah. Pierce I like Pierce Brosnan as much as the next guy, but he shouldn't have been Bond. He was Remington Steele. He shouldn't have been Bond. Timothy Dalton had no business being Bond. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm going, well, Daniel Craig is Daniel Craig gonna be is he worthy of the role? And I'm not so sure. I think he's done a great job. I mean, we gave him some pretty good reviews when we did Skyfall, I believe. Um, you know, when under our first, re actually, that was our first podcast. We did Skyfall um, with Daniel Craig. It's hard, I think, for you and I, because, you, you know, you and I grew up in a different era. We grew up when, you know, when we look back at like, okay, so it, it, let me ask you this. Let's be, let me, let me step back here for a second. When you watch gold figure, figure, finger, excuse me, gold figure, <laughs> figure, gold figure. I, I, I have pussy galore on my mind. <laughs> um, when you watch this movie, you, we can't like, like Angela said to me, um, you can't judge its special effects. It's 1964. Right. So you, but, you, there are some, to nowadays. You Correct. Know. Now, and, and here's, here's what else is different about nowadays versus then. Mm -hmm. Could you have a character like Oddjob now? Mm -hmm. You know, the Korean houseboy? No Odd way. Job. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Could you introduce a character named Pussy Galore into no. a, a movie these days? Well, uh, no. You, you could. I think, I think now, well, no. You're no, right. no, you not, couldn't. No, no. You, 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 you. Comedian-wise, you could, but you couldn't do it in a film like this. No, not, not in a traditional Bond movie. Correct. No, Correct. Get, get off your Austin Powers uh, <laughs> mindset, which for, for our member. audience, that's what our, that's what our two, uh, that's what we've been talking about all day. Well, just, just so you know, in Sean Connery's shorts, he looked like a gold member. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, and think about Goldfinger. Okay. That was a great villain. Oh, absolutely. For, it was it a fantastic like, movie. And, the, and the, the, the great thing about the plot was, in this movie, was he wasn't trying to steal the gold. He wasn't trying to, in a sense, get world domination like we saw in Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, LXG. It was more of, I'm going to raise the price up on something so that I can benefit from it, and I'm going to do it an evil way. Um, it's almost foretailing to what our current, you know, big businesses are now. Um, but for me, did you, did you know that this was the fastest growing movie in history when it released? And it's actually entered in the Guinness world of Guinness book of world records for that. No which kidding. Is great. Yes. Great. Great. Uh, uh, for it. I did have that hard time though, getting between 
some of the acting that they had, you know, like the, the pussy galore. Well, let's just call her galore. Uh, galore is her circus planes land and all these blondes come out and they run all the way across the field to her because she's the one that leads them. And she go and the one girl goes, you know, rehearsal was great. She goes, good. We'll see you tonight at eight for, you know, your, your, uh, you know, your duties. And they turn around and ran away. I mean, like it was, the acting on that was just horrible. It was just, it was almost like someone was standing behind the other character holding up the cue card and say, this is what you're supposed to say. It was just very, very blah. When it came to the back scene characters, you know, the ones that had the minor, minor roles, like the, the, the two FBI agents that were U.S. agents who were talking by the, the uh, racetrack uh, fence, uh, the horse farm, you know, th their back and forth was horrible. It was just like, blah, well, he's good. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. You know, it would just stuff like that. It just, it, it was just hard for me. And I, I guess it's just because they don't have, I don't know. I can't say it. It's just, it was 1964. That's it. It, it was. And one of the other things about 1964, that era that this movie was made and you, you, it was about the characters and their names and all that other, uh, that sort of thing. The fact that they, they hired or cast honor Blackman as pussy galore was, I think that was pretty significant at the time because they were, they were parlaying her success in the Avengers, mm -hmm. right? That whole mm -hmm. spy adventure type thing. I think it was a, it was, it was a stroke of genius because the, those three between Shershan Connery playing Bond and Pussy Galore and Gold and Goldfinger as you know the villain. Mm. I, I thought just those three were very well represented in the movie. And then you get all the other stuff, you know, the fashion, the cars, you know, the gadgets, that sort of thing. Well, and and I, you just gotta love that that her real name is actually Honor Blackman. I love that name. I think she's a very beautiful woman, and she did great. Um, in her time as an actress, uh, she was actually acted all the way up to what I think. Um, uh, well, she passed away. She actually passed away this year. She passed away. Oh, in this April, year, huh? April of 2020. She was 94 years old. Um, like she was, she played Bridget Jones in Bridget Jones Diary. Um, she was acting all the way up until 2015 uh, uh, in overseas uh, TV shows. So it's it's she's a hell of an actress, and she did great. Again, we go back to it, though. I mean, why is it so different from 1964 to now, the acting? I mean, we've seen other films the same way. But in 1964, this was a great, great movie. And that's obvious by its, its current rating. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, it won an Oscar. I mean, there's some, for, some for other what? things. What, what uh, did it win an Oscar for? Best effects and sound effects. Ah, now, something do you, to do with music. Now and, sound. And, sound. <laughs> and and uh, that by the way that was mm -hmm. the this was the first academy award given to any bond movie really did not yeah. know that actually that's a that's a great great knowledge right there um did you did you like m bernard lee the original m well who doesn't love the original you gotta love m you gotta love all the little gadgets that's the best part of these movies is it is and go through that the and the most important part of this movie was what the Ashton Martin. Of course. Oh my God. That thing was gorgeous. Mm. Oh man. That's, that was even sexier than, than pussy galore. 
See, <laughs> and, and when we and remember when we did Skyfall, mm-hmm. was it yeah. was it that Aston Martin that they pulled out of mothballs that he drove around, or was it some other incarnation? No, it was that one. It was the yeah, it was I think the, it, was. it was yeah the, the silver. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see, and here's 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 my here's my problem with this franchise in general. It was cool to see that car in the 1964 version, but when they pulled the thing out of mothballs in Skyfall, I thought it was really hokey to do that. I thought that was a bad move. Okay. No, I, I, I agree. Now, I have belittled Shirley Bassey in her song Goldfinger, but did you know that this soundtrack for Goldfinger actually was number one in the U.S. on the charts in December 12th of 1964. And in the U.S. And it stayed there for three weeks. The title song, Goldfinger, as we say, sung by Shirley Bassey, charted in the U.K. on October 15th and went to the number 21 spot. Um, and then the single entered the charts in the U.S. on January 30th, 1965, and it peaked at the number eight position, which is inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2008. Folks, if there is a, a, a misleading category for win, this is it. <laughs> I, I could not. This, this, Please, just go to YouTube, put in Goldfinger, sung by Shirley Massey, listen to it. And you will stop it within the first 30 seconds. I guarantee it. Now, the other situation that I had, they had all of these nice cars. When he met Goldfinger on the golf course, that beautiful, those beautiful cars there, he had the, the Ashton Martin, you had all of the cars in the background were nice. Goldfinger's this gold magnet, as they mentioned, but odd job drives. A 1964 red Ford Ranchero with wood paneling. That didn't make sense to me. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it would make sense at all. He, he picks them up and carries them. You know, he's. I didn't understand it. I mean, it, it's. A, it was. A, it was just short of being the Green Machine from from Vacation. It was just. I didn't understand that movie. And it, and and so, anyways, uh, it had white walls, which <laughs> is horrible. But that was kind of like the thing. The other thing I want to mention is, is um, I was watching this and then I read the notes on it. This was the first movie ever to use laser beams. Really? So the scene where he's tied to the, the table and the laser beam is going to cut him between his legs. Um, that's the first time a movie had ever used laser beams. They were going to use a saw, a spinning saw, but they felt that that had been played out so many times they used the laser beam. Now you can see that that's a special effect and they're just shooting flames underneath the, the wood during the, the, the part, the cutting part. Um, but it was pretty unique to see that in 1964. You know, got to remember, look at some of the special effects that there was. You know, the smoke coming out of the Ashton Martin with, with sparklers at the back end of it. Um, you know, those were your big special effects back then. The planes that they showed flying, the Lear jets that were supposed to be, one was supposed to be Air Force One, obviously, um, and it wasn't. But you know, we knew it was a model hanging in front of cloud cotton balls. I mean, you could see it. You could tell. 1964, <laughs> folks. 1964. <laughs> so when you watch this movie, guys, you have to understand that you cannot judge it based on today's special effects and today's movies. You have to put yourself back in 1964 and watch it and think to yourself, is this the real reason why 
you know, this did so well. And it did, it was something completely different from, from what it was ever out there. And that's why it did so well financially and rating wise. So at the end of the day, mm -hmm. is this your favorite Bond movie? Yes. I'm, I'm, it, it changed my mind from movies before. Cause there's, there's a lot of good movies down the line that, that my dad took me to see, but you know, I've never seen Goldfinger. I don't remember seeing, I might've seen parts of it and, and, and oh, things like you that. You haven't seen it before. I've never seen it to the extent that I watched it this time around. So. It, it, it's, it's just, it's a different genre. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's what I was, I settled on. Um, especially I think the last Bond movie I even had eyes on was Skyfall when you and I reviewed it. And it made me want to go back and maybe watch mm -hmm. some, you know, watch uh, Octopussy again. Right. I'm going to get as many references to either Pussy Galore or Octopussy before <laughs> this podcast is over today. Uh, oh. But it, 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 it reminded me of how, uh, how trendy and how cool it was in mm -hmm. the 60s to have this sort of, you know, this sort of character on the screen. And, you know, the director that, that did this movie, um, Guy Hamilton, he did, he did four movies. Mm -hmm. he, he did, he did four movies, uh, four Bond movies. He directed four of them. He did, uh, which I, I'm not sure which ones he did, but I'll have to look them up. But I'll probably go back and watch those again, just because it was, it was, oh, he did Live and Let Die, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. What else? Yep. Oh, Diamonds Are Forever. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and definitely those, he Those de are all, I mean, those oh, he are. Did, he did Remo Williams. I love that guy. I love that movie. Um, yeah, definitely something. I mean, so for me, Goldfinger got, uh, um, it, it, I'm going to have to stick with my trend this week. Uh, three and a half uh, stars, uh, excuse me, popcorns. And uh, truly enjoyed watching it. But remind your folks, get yourself to the mindset of 1964. Yeah, I think you do have to, you, you have to go back in time a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm right there with you, my friend. Uh, uh, although a little bit different spin on this. Uh, this movie got three and a half shaken, not stirred martinis. <laughs> you know, he is the reason why I drink a martini. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, um, so great movies this week. Um, I'm hoping that when you guys watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that you don't hate me for it. Um, but it is my, my feelings. Uh, and now we're going to try to give you guys some great new movies coming out in 2020. So we're, we're going to do – we're going to do this. We're going to do this backwards because this is the part of the program that I get to use my Bill Murray segue. Oh, right, wait a minute. Sorry. You already did. So <laughs> as mentioned previously, mm -hmm. Bill Murray was originally up for the role of William Forrester in finding Forrester, but it ultimately went to Sean Connery. And for the last couple of weeks, I've tried to get eyes on the latest bill murray movie called on the rocks which on is available rocks. on apple apple tv plus apple plus oh, tv good. whatever their uh expensive platform is mm -hmm. um which after checking with my wife last night we still have a subscription to it so that movie is going to be enjoyed by both mr crawford and myself next week and um, the other movies out, um, actually, I thought we were going to do a different one. You're going to do On Rocks. I'm going to do Black Box. 
um, which is a sci-fi thriller. Um, and it is from the producers of Get Out. And I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the director of this film uh, was the director of The Invisible Man, which you fell in love with. Mm. So and that is a good movie. Um, but I thought the one that we were going to share was actually Proximity. Oh, we are sharing Proximity. Yes, yeah, so ah, we'll share Proximity. Good. But I'm probably going to watch On the Rocks anyways. Um, however, uh, Proximity will be one that is a 2020 sci-fi thriller, uh, including Aliens. Uh, can be, it is now on Hulu under the premium subscription. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a fun movie to see. And uh, so based on this trailer, looking forward to watching that. You got to love, you got to love sci-fi. So after the news this week, um, I think both of us are convinced that going to another planet is pretty timely right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for a little bit of a break. You know, it's funny. And, and um, you know, we talked about everybody's talking about, you know, gas prices, this and that and this and the world's coming to an end and blah, blah, blah. It's funny. My daughter is in New York and she had, popped up on my Amazon that she ordered Mad Max Fury Road. And I'm like, are you, and I text, I'm like, are you preparing for the future? And here, you know, she's like, no, it's for my class. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure I don't, you know, something on the East coast isn't happening and it's coming this way. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. You'd appreciate the heads up. Right. 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 So exciting, exciting week um, of movies. And I'm looking forward to next week's and give these folks uh, an idea whether to save or, or go see. Well, it's a shame that we have to bid adieu to yes. uh, Sean Connery, a, 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 a true, true, uh, extraordinary gentleman uh, yeah. in, in, in his own right. And he will sorely be missed, but leaves behind uh, a great, great uh, catalog of movies uh, to watch. Uh, this weekend, after you've listened to our podcast and decided which movies you should watch, you're certainly going to have the weather for it. So uh, it's a it's going to be a perfect weekend to stay in and uh, catch up on some new movies. And we'll have some commentary on our feature films this time next week. One last thing for our fans, Ron. This week, if you want to be a co-host with us, go on, watch these three movies, shoot us an email and tell us why you should be a co-host on Two Real Reviewers. Oh boy, I can think of a, I can think of a few people that are going to jump at the opportunity to co-host with us. No, no, no poll this week. Just a competition uh, out there for uh, co-host. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like an awful lot of fun. So, thank you very much for listening this time around. We look forward to presenting to you next week. And until then, we are reviewers. Two real reviewers. You'll hear us next week. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean.